Good morning, as I said. Nice to be here this morning with you. As uh, Nick has introduced me earlier, my name is Joe. You didn't do a, a good enough job by saying my name is Joe. And it is indeed nice to be here. I'm married to Kathy. We have two wonderful children. And we get the privilege of serving our Lord Jesus Christ in the entire world. He's chosen for us to be in Johannesburg at, at this time. And we count it to be an honor and a privilege. So thank you for inviting me, Nicholas um, and Shanae. And uh, yeah, I'm trusting that uh, what God has laid on my heart is for all of us. It certainly is for me, but uh, I'm hoping that it is also for you too this, this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, won't you please take them out? And uh, I'd like you to turn to the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. So if you can put your finger in, at, uh, in this particular passage of scripture, Matthew chapter 6, as well as Proverbs chapter 3, um, that we will be spending a, a little bit of, of time this morning um, learning and discussing and understanding what God has for us uh, as a church. So, um, Adventure Church, the name is quite unique, and I do believe uh, working out into the kingdom of God here on earth is an adventure in itself. Uh, it's an exciting adventure, it's an up and down journey, but man, God is doing it, and he gives us the awesome privilege of, of working it out with him. And so, um, this morning there are two issues I want to deal with. The first well, before I get to the first one, I, I want to just mention this. In the world, there are two issues that human beings have been challenged with since effectively the beginning of time. For centuries, we've been battling with these two issues. And um, these two issues dominate our lives back then, today, and into the future. And um, these two issues are not just unique to us who are saved, but also to those who are unsaved, those who do not know Christ, those who do not experience God's um, understanding and life uh, with Him. It's both the saved and unsaved that uh, battle with these two issues. And these two issues, the first is this issue that is called the issue of worry. Worry. And the second is the issue of trust. Now, the good news for the believer, which is us here and the church at large in the world, is that God, in His mercy and His grace and His love, has given us principles and has given us um, kind of keys and nuggets to overcome these two issues, the issue of worry and the issue of trust. And we find these principles and these keys locked in His Word, locked in His Holy Word. And the way to kind of get these keys and understand how to apply them into our lives. Because remember, we are in the world, but as saved um, believers, we are not a... Uh, sub we are subject to the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. So we are different. And so we have to think differently. We've got to act differently. But then you can't act and think differently if you don't have the keys and the nuggets and the... And the uh, an understanding of these principles that God gives us as His children. 
And so we find these uh, principles in his word. So the first one, as I said, that we'll be dealing with is this principle or this, uh, this issue of worry. Now, we are forever worrying about something. There, there's always something in our heads that we're worried about. Am I going to make it? Am I going to have enough? Am I going to live to see my grandkids? For those of us who are married and have kids, will, I, will, will our kids marry the right people? Will, will those things, there's always a worry. Or will I get married? Will I get married? We worry. We worry about these things. Voila, voila, voila. It's just, will my family make it? Am I safe enough? Do I have enough? And, and to be honest with you this morning, actually, if you really have to be serious, I can pinpoint right now that there's something that we are all worried about. Right now, that there's something. If it's not Benji, there's something that we worry about um, this morning. And you see, the antidote to worry is found, one of the antidotes to worry, one of the answers, the principles to worry is found in this book of Matthew. So I said, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6 and I will read from verse 25. The subheading of that chapter is do not worry. This is uh, Jesus speaking in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And this is what he addresses to the crowd. He says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. Verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Verse 27. And who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Uh, I'm going to leave it there, but we'll read it a little bit uh, more because the whole passage of Scripture from verse 25 through to verse um, 34 is dealing and speaking to us about this issue of worry. And I love how Jesus just kind of just challenges or speaks into the crowd and says, look, look at the birds of the air. Look how they are functioning. They don't have to try. Birds, as you know, they will go out and they, will, they, don't, they don't collect. They don't build up. They, they, it's just there. They're flying around using what God has given them, wings, the wind. They, they're doing what they need to do. So there's a call for us as, as uh, humans, as those who believe in him, to do what we need to do. God has given us talents and he's given us gifts. What are we doing with our talents and our gifts that he's given us? And as we do those things, so he provides. I mean, you know when you eat and, and we provide for the birds. We chuck those things, uh, you know, seeds here and there, but actually the bird comes and takes it. That's God's providence over, over um, the, the creation that he has created. So this passage of scripture, in particular, has, gives us seven arguments that I want to start off with about against worry. Seven arguments. The first is this. If God gave life, well then God will sustain it. If God gave you your life, well then guess what? He will sustain your life. The second 
nugget is that it is God's nature to supply for his creation. If he's created the birds, he will feed them. If he's created you, he will feed you. If he's given you kids, he will give you the means to be able to look after this, these kids that he's given you. Whatever God has done for you, he will look after it for his glory. For his glory. Not so much about you, not so much about your kids, not so much about life in itself. It's about him and his glory. He wants to be honored. He wants to be praised. He wants to receive the glory because God loves his glory. God protects his glory. He says in his word that he will share his glory with no man. No man. And so as he looks after you, so he gets the glory. Because there's some elements in our lives that we can put up our hands and say, actually, it was impossible. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. And as believers, we know that it's actually God. And when you look at life and you see it that way, your, your, your kind of um, answer to that is, glory be to God. Glory be to him who's created me. The third point is that worry is entirely useless. It says there, who can add an hour to their day by worrying? So you worry about, am I going to make it? Am I going to get married? What's going to happen? You worry, 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 but you don't add anything to your life by worrying. Actually, you take away from your life. You know, they talk about um, taking energy, cells from, from, from you scientifically. You do that by worrying. You're spending so much energy that you should be actually allocating to the things of uh, the, the, the future that God has for you. But we spend so much time worrying about things that are entirely useless. We cannot change. We cannot add. We cannot do anything by worrying. Then the fourth point is that man as the crown of creation shows the futility of worry. So worry really is in itself useless. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Be honest with yourself. Who has changed the world, your little big world, by worry? <laughs> Who? None of you. I, I, well, certainly not me. I worry and I don't change my little world. In fact, I've become more problematic in my head because I'm worrying about whatever the case might be. Uh, this scripture says that actually worrying is effectively useless. Don't worry. Just don't worry. Actually. Um, but I'll help us understand how. Because, because it's one thing to say don't worry. But in the society we live in, the world we live in, it's very difficult not to worry. It is very difficult not to worry. But like I said, we find answers, keys, and principles in the Word of God which teaches us how not to worry. Number five, worry is a characteristic of unbelievers. Worry is a characteristic of unbelievers. Those who do not know God. Those who do not have a pillar to hold on to. Those who do not know the truth. Something to hold on to. God himself, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who says that he holds the, everything in the palm of his hands, the one who says that I know you, I know the very number of hairs on your head, and today some of us less than others, and, but he knows that, whether it's less than others or not, he knows the very number of hairs on our head. So actually as believers, we are set apart. We are set apart our, our um, significance, our way of our art, uh, outlook on life should be different. Am I too loud? 
If I am, that's your problem. But worrying is a characteristic of the unbeliever. He who does not know. Where does he turn to? Oh, I'm going to turn to my money. Oh, my money is going down. Wait, what? I can't go there. Well, then I'll turn to politics. Oh, no, politics is a, is a waste of time. Oh, no, I, I can't look there. I look here and I look there and it doesn't work. But for you, guess where? We looked. Where does my help come from? Comes from the, the, the one who's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I this morning. Every day we look to him. We wake up. He gives us mercies new every day. Every day we've got no reason to worry. Today, there's no reason to worry. Whatever may, might come, and we know that as spiritual beings, we, they, we are under attack. There are arrows and things that are being shot against us. But we stand in this, with the shield of faith. We stand with the helmet of salvation. Those are obviously, um, we understand what a shield looks like. We understand what a, what a helmet looks like. We understand the belt of of uh, truth, we understand those physically, but in the spiritual, those things are real. And when the enemy shoots that dart of um, uh, mistrust or is it untruth? What's the opposite of truth? Lies. Yeah, <laughs> those things. You know, um, when he shoots those things, then we are able to hold up our shoulder and say, "The truth of God says this against that. The truth of God says this." against what you say in enemy, but you can't know, you can't hold up the shield if you do not know the truth of God. You cannot um, hold up the shield if you do not know that you actually have the shield of God. The shield of truth, the shield, the shield, the shield of Jesus Christ in our lives this morning. You cannot hold it if you do not know. And again, the shield is found in the word of God. Number six. God's providential care shows there's no need to worry. Can you imagine if birds woke up every day, they're like, oh man, where, I'm so worried today. Where am I going to find food? I'm going to fly and there I'm going to go to Belito, there's nothing. Well, guess what? You go to Belito, everyone throwing food away. Birds are like, hey, man, there's food. Those people were throwing food away. God used that to allow birds to find food. To allow birds to find shelter, to allow us, God provided that through people throwing things away. If the, these birds woke up and th thought, oh, man, it's hot today. Where am I going to find food? In fact, I just don't have the energy. In fact, I'm going to just sit in my nest and just wait. I'm just going to wait. That would be quite useless, wouldn't it? Just sitting and waiting. No, they do what they're called to do. What they know they ought to do. And let's get out of their nest and fly. Go fly and enjoy the breeze. Enjoy what God has given them. And then as they fly, ooh, my tummy is a little bit, uh, it's rumbling. A ooh, there's a seed there. Someone just, guess what, I'm there. God has provided for me. Uh, the birds think like this. They see these. And so this is the amazing God that we serve. He provides for us in ways that we don't even understand expect and imagine someone chucking away stuff is food to the birds but it's all in God's providential care and the same is true for us in our lives as human beings he says in these words if he's created you and sustained you I mean if he's created you how much more are you look at the birds they don't have a, a, a world they don't have a, a they, they can't they can't think 
God has given you free will. How much more? You are the crown of creation. How much more will he take care of you? The number seven, worry for more than what is at hand compounds even more worry. So you worry about today and uh, man, you worry about tomorrow. What's going to happen next month? And so you, the little worry that you concentrate on just compounds because you have this worry and that worry leads to the next worry. And so it carries on. And so your worry that you started high becomes so big because you are focusing on the worry, not focusing on he who will take away the worry, who will give an element or way out for that worry. This is the king that I serve. So this, this scripture, this verse, um, or this passage of scripture, Matthew 6, 20, 25, I read to 27, 28, I'll continue. It says this, verse 28, And why do you worry about clothes? Why? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Oh, how wonderful that would be if we didn't have to labor or spin in our lives and it just clothes just appear. But Jesus points to the, what he's created and says, look at those things. They don't labor, they don't spin, yet I look after them. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. Verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? If he clothes that which is taken today and tomorrow, it's chucked into the fire and disappears, how much more will he look after you? The word says, O you of little faith. Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the unbelievers, those who do not know Christ, run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, thank you for your most holy word. Thank you, Lord, that you have an answer for every worry in our lives. And this morning, Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd help us. Your word would cut into our hearts between bone and marrow, Lord, that you would massage and speak life to us again, where we maybe have become worried. Help us not to be those who behave like pagans, God. Let us look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the word here says, it starts off by saying, do not worry about your life. See, the word worry is a compound word from two Greek words. Part and divide. So let's break it down. Worry that Jesus dresses comes from a Greek word which is divided into two. Part and divide. Worry is dividing care into parts. Worry is the division of two objects. What do I mean by that? So I worry... 
And the first object to divide worry in is, will the bad thing happen to me? And the second is, will the good thing happen to me? So there's worry, and we, we're in the middle, and worry start asking the question, will the bad thing happen to me? Or will the good thing happen to me? You, you're neither there or here or there. You're in the middle. You are worried. And then from your being in the middle, worrying about it, is it going to happen? Is the good going to happen? Is the bad going to happen? Anxiety is born out of this place. And, so, and we see anxiety is described as suspension between two points. Anxiety is described as suspension between two points. Is a good thing going to happen to me? Or is a bad thing going to happen to me? Is God going to provide? Or will God not provide? Am I going to be safe? Or am I not going to be safe? We are suspended. In this. So anxiety is born. Anxiety starts living in us as a result of that. See, the idea here when it comes to worry is that we are drawn in different directions at the same time. You're drawn to God. Is it going to happen? The good thing is going to happen? Or I'm drawn to, oh, is it not going to happen? I am worried. What's going to happen? Where do I lie? See, the person is not in either the bad or the good area, but in a state of suspension between two points, between two things. Whenever you're worrying about something, you are in suspension, actually, because you're worried about, is it going to go well or is it not going to go well? You're neither there nor there or here. Like, you don't know, but you're like, oh, how does this uh, thing weigh in my life? And so you are torn between two areas of worry. The word goes on to say, what you will eat. So it starts off by saying, don't worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink. Nor about your body, what you will put on. That passage of scripture, that argument here that Jesus brings to us, is not absolute. Jesus did not argue for the irresponsibility of not caring for, for your family, for what God has given you. God has given us gifts. He's given us talents. He's placed us on, on this earth at this time. He says in, in uh, Acts 26, 17, or Acts 17, 26, that he has determined the places and times that you are to be born, the times that you are to live. Why? So that you can look for him, search for him, even though he's not far away. He's right, he's close to us, but he's determined it. Why? For his glory. Because as you search for him, even though he's not far away from us, he's right here with us. We know that Jesus Christ, who are, us who are saved, lives in us. And so we can tap, we can call on him. He's closer than a friend, closer than a pillow. Like he, but he says he has done that so that we can search for him. And I, I began to ask, if you've met us, so, if you live in us, you're so close to us, why would I need to search for you? Because our minds wonder. Because we are so, often we are in the state of suspension, wor worrying, am I going to make it? Is God close by? Or am I not going to make it? Uh, uh, or God is close by. Then we just are forever swaying from the right to the left. And so God draws us in his word. He has determined which days and times and places you are to be born and live for his glory. For his, in Philippians, he speaks about every good work that he has created for you. He has planned it in Ephesians. He has, he, has planned, he has planned good works for you that you may walk into them. Not for your glory. 
not necessarily for your benefit, even though you do benefit from it, but for His glory, for His goodness, for He is good. He is determined. We could have, often I would sometimes argue and say, I wish I was born in the Jesus days, or pre-Jesus days. And then I think, and I, and I, and I say, no, 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 no. I'm actually very happy because I'm living in the best times. God has chosen this is the best time I'm to live because I get to usher in His presence on this earth now. Can you imagine if we're in the Old Testament where Jesus wasn't uh, on earth physically as a man and all those rituals they had to go through and all those things, slaughtering um, lambs and goats and all pigeons and all sorts of things to uh, atone for people. As a high priest, man, that's, that's not so nice uh, in, in our gruesome, like in our understanding. Jesus has chosen that I don't have, didn't have to go through all of that. He's chosen that I've lived now. That Jesus came back and he died and he rose again. That I may have life now and present life to the world. The world that is in need of this life, of this truth. And the word continues and, and Jesus says to his listeners as he is saying to us this morning, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, this argument is from greater to lesser. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? So we focus on clothes and what to eat. But Jesus says, but is it, there's more to life. There's more to life. What is it? What is the benefit? The word of God says, what does it benefit the man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? What is the point? So you might have money, you might have food, you might have the best clothes and you gain all of those things but you forfeit your soul. This is what God is concerned about. It's our hearts. And he says, as you seek his kingdom later on as we read, he will take care of those things. Our responsibility is to see what God has called us to the gifts and talents he's um, allowed us to have, and how we're using those gifts and talents for his glory daily. See, Jesus offers three illustrations against anxiety or worry in, in this passage of Scripture, Matthew 26, 3 to 30. Number one, how God cares for the birds. Number two, how God cares for the, lily, the lilies. And number three, how God cares for the grass. So in actual fact, he just got paints and shows us, it reminds us of a picture. Look at creation. Creation doesn't trouble itself. It doesn't have to toil, doesn't have to spin, doesn't have to work hard. It just happens. And we as his um, crown, his, his, his creation, he says to us, how much more for us? How much more? He looks after the, the earth, he will look after you and I. He looks after the grass, which is here today, tomorrow we chop it and chuck it away. How much more you who holds life? How much more you who is created in his image and his likeness? Nature is our example. So the antidote to worry for us this morning and in the days to come, through the word of God, is that we are to look at nature. God brings it close to us. 
He says, you're worried about a myriad of things. Just look at the world. Look at nature in itself. Look how beautiful it is. Look how at this lily. I mean, we live in a, you guys live in a very lush area. Look at it. It didn't try. Did these, uh, are these, is this grass or what is this? Whatever. Trees and stuff. Sugar cane. Right? Did they decide to go and have a prayer fasting week so that there can be rain? No, they didn't. They were just here. And God brought the rain. God brought the sun. We need, you know, we need the, the plants need, lakas need water. They need the sun. There's a whole bunch of scientific stuff that needs to happen. Without the sun, it wouldn't happen. Without the rain, it needs to happen. Guess what? It wasn't them. It's God who did it. And so God tells us through his word that you, my, my children, my, the crown of my creation, the ones that I've created in the image and likeness of us, the king, he says, when you're worried, look outside. Look at the birds who are flying. Look, they have to toil. They don't have to worry. They have to do nothing but just be. And I look after them. So when you're worried, let nature be your example this morning. Let nature remind you of how God looks and takes care of the things of nature, the world, the things that are here today and gone tomorrow. He looks after them providentially without even trying. It just happens. How much more you, who is the crown of his creation, yeah, how much you who reflects his glory, who reflects his goodness, who is called to show the world of um, his goodness, how much you, how much more you. The second issue is this issue of trust. So worry is the first issue that we as Christians and non-believers are faced with daily. Do we worry about what's going to happen and what's not going to happen? We're in a state of suspension, uh, good or bad. Anxiety is born as a result. God says, no, don't worry about that. Look at, look at the things I've created. I'll take care of them. How much more you? Take confidence in my word. Take confidence in me. And if you have doubt, look at the world. Look at the, look at the lilies. Look at the field. If you have doubt, look at those things and see how I've taken care of them. How much more you, whom I dearly love, whom I have created, whom I have a plan and a purpose. And in fact, this morning, you can, I can ask you this question. You can look back in your life and testify to God's way of how he's looked after you. So there are moments in your life you, th you thought, man, this could have never been. In my own doing, my own um, skill set, I would have never been able to do but God. He gets the glory. So that's a testimony. He says, look at the testimony that I've given you. Look at your life. Look at, it's close by. Look at nature. It's what I've done there. So that's the first thing about Ori. Do not worry. The second thing is trust. Now, trust and the definition of trust is this. A firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability of someone or something. It's the reliability, the truth, or ability of someone or something. So I rely on someone or something because he or she is reliable. Now I know and I wonder when I said the second issue of trust. 
How many of us went to the good old passage in the, in the Old Testament that speaks about, you know, um, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. I don't know if any of you went there immediately. I went there long before you guys got there. But this is what happens, is that um, God speaks about trust and there's a whole bunch of scriptures that we can dig into and try and understand. And the one I want to just speak about briefly is, is in Proverbs 5 verse 6, which is, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. So if you haven't turned there, I got there before you. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. That's where we find this scripture. And verse 5 is a complementary pair of commands. What do I mean by that? It says, oh, we are told positively to trust in the Lord. That's the first thing. And then negatively... To not trust in our own understanding. It's almost a contradiction. Um, in, in some way, we are told, told, trust in the Lord. No, it's not a contradiction. It's actually an encouragement. Trust in the Lord. And as you trust in Him, do not trust in yourself, in your own understanding. Do not lean in your own understanding. These two things are mutually exclusive. And what I mean by that, if we trust the Lord... We cannot also depend upon our own ability to understand everything God is doing. Us as humans, as his sons and daughters on this earth, we are to trust him. And when we do truly trust him, we have to lay everything open and, and not try and understand, not try and make sense of all these things. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12 says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. The truth of the matter for us um, as beloved children of God is that we only see in part here on earth. We only see the picture that God is painting in part. And if we truly trust Him, we have to let go of our own pride, our own programs, our own understanding sometimes, our own plans. Even the best laid human plan cannot begin to approach the magnificent foresight of God's plan. This is what 1 Corinthians verse, 1, 20, verse 25 says about the plans of God. It says, or it says that for the foolishness of God is wiser wiser than human wisdom. That's in the word. It says the foolishness of God God had to use the word foolishness because we understand the word foolishness, you know. Is, is that, that stuff that you deem to be foolishness is, is, cannot be compared to the wisdom of God. 
So when we approach him, we approach him with an understanding that he is infinite. He is all capable. He is the king of kings. He who created the whole universe is able to hold. He's a big God that can hold everything. The, the earth, the planets, everything, the galaxies, and you. How? How is that possible? Big God holding everything together, yet he can hold you, little person, in, compared to the world, the galaxy. So when we go to him, we understand that he... That our, 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 what we deem to be foolish cannot be compared to what he is doing. And see, most of us are desperate to know what's going on. God speaks maybe, or you read, or you don't understand, but you want to know. It's, a, it's another human problem. We want to know answers. We want to know what's going on in the world. But God says to us in Isaiah 55 verse 8, He says to us, my thoughts, his thoughts, are not our thoughts. Neither are his ways our ways. He declares this. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. How many of us, even today, believe that? I've got to often remind myself of that. That well, the things that God has said, I cannot, I cannot bring them down to an understandable um, way in my life. I was just uh, speaking to Nicholas this morning and I was asking him, just remind me of how this Redemption Church was actually born. And I tell you, it's a crazy story and I'm sure you guys know uh, uh, most of it. But this was never part of, of their thinking, Nick and Shanae. Durban Melita was not part of their thinking initially. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this publicly, but I'll do it anyway. Then you can correct me later. Actually, New Zealand was part of their thinking initially. And we concluded in our, in our limited wisdom that perhaps Durban Melita here is a season. New Zealand could still be a part of the future. Why? Because God could be, could be. It doesn't matter what you think, whether you like it or not, it could still be because what they are concerned about and what they have to be concerned about is what God wants to happen. Because what He has planned for them will be best if they apply. Even though it might seem difficult or not good or not nice, but actually when you follow God's footsteps, you will be most successful. You will successful in our understanding. You will flourish rather than just manage. But this is where God has them for now, which is a great, great thing. Because God has a plan and a purpose for them here. But this thing was not born out of, ah, oh, God has spoken. I'm coming to believe initially. No, God spoke of other things which got them going, thinking, got their hearts ready, got, you know, a bit of a, of a, of a fight in their brains, in their heart, between each other and all those. God had to do those things to get those things out. And when those things were out, those falters were out, he was able to, okay, Belita, or Tillimana, or Durban, or New Zealand, or Kenya, or uh, Johannesburg, or, 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 or who knows? Who knows what the plans and purposes are? But you know what? The confidence is this. God says in his word that in a man... A man has many plans. 
Man has many plans in his heart, but it's God who orders every step. It's God who orders it. So that tells me that actually your planning, our planning, that God has allowed us to have, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But it's actually our ability to allow God to order the right steps for us. Because as we allow Him, so we walk into those things that He has prepared for us in advance for His good pleasure, for His glory. And He receives all the glory. So actually planning is not a bad, not a bad plan. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to discourage you from planning. Plan as much as you want. But I'm just encouraging you as you plan, allow God by His grace to order your steps. Order your steps. But then there's another thing to that. You can plan, great. You can allow God to order your steps. But it's one thing to allow or to hear. And it's another thing to follow what he says. Don't fight. <laughs> Don't fight with him. And the reality of this thing is that God sees the whole picture. We don't. On this earth, we're not, never going to see the entire picture. There are answers that we are looking for now that we're not going to see. We're not going to get on this earth. In fact, we'll, put, we'll get them in heaven. And my uh, thought process, actually, some of those answers I'm looking for are big to me now. But when I'm in heaven, I don't think they'll be as big. I don't even think they'll exist. They'll be just, in the presence of God, I'll be just so uh, flabbergasted. I'll be just so blown away that those things will disappear. And I, when, I see his, when I see him for who he is in his presence, I'm worshipping him. All these questions that I had, yeah, sure, he might answer those things, which is great. But it won't even count, that's my opinion. Um, it won't count as much as it counts for me now. Because I'm in his presence. I'm in his presence. And so we plan. We're allowed to plan. But our, the trouble with us Christians and non-Christians, I'm talking to the Christians this morning, is as we plan, we, not, we need not limit God in our understanding. Proverbs um, 16 verse 25 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. So I've just said, plan. Don't be shy. Planning is good. But as you plan, allow him to order your steps. Allow him to show you the way. But actually you have to plan. You have to go. You have to be like the birds. Fly. Don't just sit in your nest and hope and pray. Oh God, please, please. No, no, go out there and fly. Go fly. There's a word that says that um, our responsibility is we have to knock. If you're not knocking, the door will not be opened. You have to knock for the door to be opened. Seek and you shall find. There's a doing that we have to do. We've got to knock, we've got to seek. We've got to be doing something. We've got to be flying and we'll find food that others are throwing away. Whatever We have to. We can't just be sitting and, and hoping. God in His grace, when you sit in, in, your, in your depression or the, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that, but in your de depressive way of life, because yeah, we do get a little bit, we can get a little bit, uh, woe is me. But actually, you know what? Woe is not us as sons and daughters of the Most High. Wow is us. Wow. Life in its entirety is how we should respond. 
Because God is good to us. Whether we like it or not. God is good to us. And God remains the same. Yesterday he says he was this way. Today he was, is the same way as yesterday. And guess what? Tomorrow he continues to be like he was today. Or he is today and was like yesterday. For centuries like he was before. His, his ways never change. His, his ways never change. So guess what? Who are you going to trust? You're trusting yourself. Who you up and down. Man comes with the ideas. And are you going to trust man? Are you going to trust he who never changes? He who's the same every day. Daily. So let me just summarize and close. Nicholas, I don't know how I'm doing for time. But this Proverbs says this. Trust the Lord with all your heart. What is the biblical meaning of your heart? It's your whole being. It's everything in you. Your thy will, your emotions, everything. For the wellspring of life comes from the heart. So trust the Lord with everything in you. Everything in you. It says, do not lean on your own understanding. In other words, do not be clever in your own eyes. Don't be clever. Joe, don't be clever in your own eyes. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In other words, involve God in your planning. Involve, involve God in your thinking. And in your decision making. Don't just run ahead without involving God, without asking questions, without praying. Because Proverbs, we just learned that in a way, there's a way that seems okay, it seems right to man, but it leads to death. Today it looks okay, but 10 years from now, you could be going down in a path that God had not planned for you. So involve God in your planning and your thinking. And then it says, and He will make straight your path. So we are large, crooked way. Crooked is, you know, we gotta, God will make them straight. But the responsibility there is that we listen and then as we listen, we follow. So Nicholas in his crooked way of listening to God with all the kind of, you know, it started in Joburg, New Zealand, Benoni here. Yeah? It's crooked. Like, where, where are you going? Where are you going? But as he followed and he, as he listened to God, he followed him. It's one thing to listen. It's another thing to follow. So we listen and we follow. And then ends off by saying, Fear the Lord and turn from evil. Why does it say that? Well, the beginning of wisdom is a fear of God. Let every decision we make, I was about to say good or bad, good decision we make, have an element of a fear of God. Does this decision please God? Will it please God or not? And if that is your kind of premise or that's your fault or that's your gauge, you will find yourself making the right decisions would actually bring glory to Him. And you'll find yourself in His will and you'll find yourself flourishing 
even in the difficult times when things don't make sense, because remember, we don't see the entire picture, we only see in part. But as you follow him and you make decisions and you walk this life out with a desire to please him, so he gets pleased. Lack of trust gives birth to worry. Lack of trust gives birth to worry, which when combined together gives birth to anxiety. So this morning, are we going to hang in the anxious position? I mean, in, in Philippians, it speaks about, uh, do not be anxious about anything. It's, uh, it's, almost, it's a command. It's, a, it's an encouragement. Do not be anxious about anything, but with play, uh, play, pray, supplication, and thanksgiving. Present those requests to God. We have been told, don't be anxious about anything. In other words, don't hang in the, don't be um, suspended. Doing the good, will it, is it going to work nicely? Or the bad? No, no. Go to God in a neutral position. Present your request to Him. And with thanksgiving, give it to Him. And He'll make things how He ought to make it happen. Why? Not for your goodness, although you benefit from that. You still enjoy the goodness of God. But for His glory. God wants to use us to shine himself to the world. To show the world through us, his children. Nevertheless, I've taken too much time. But worry pulls us apart. Don't worry. <laughs> it's not a cliche. Don't worry. Look at, the, look at the fields. Don't worry. Do not worry. Anxiety is a form of unbelief. Father, thank you for your most holy word. I pray, God, that you'll massage that that you've taught us this morning, God, and help us, God, to bring glory to your name in every way possible. Father, we love you. We thank you for this gift of life. In Jesus' name. Amen.